You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 132, Ensure Justice, Principle and Practice. Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, one of the major projects of the Global Center for Women and Justice, and uh, perhaps one of the most longstanding projects, I don't know even projects the right word, but uh, event is the Ensure Justice Conference that's been hosted every year uh, in the spring. How many years going are we now? We started know? our first conference in on, on the theme of human trafficking in 2007, and we began to understand um, shortly thereafter that this is an area where the community needs a lot more support it's um it was emerging we're coming up on our 10th anniversary yeah i was gonna say 10 years yeah and there's so much more to say uh there's so much we're just scratching the surface in the first decade and we are in the midst of planning for this coming springs conference and it is going to be stellar absolutely stellar you don't want to miss it that's all you need to know. We'll see That's you at the it? conference. Okay, bye. It's been a great show. <laughs> uh, sign in and register for early bird um, rates too. Yeah. Well, let me tell you why I am so excited about this next Ensure Justice. The theme is Build a Strong Child. Mm. And because it's our 10th anniversary, um, when we first started looking at human trafficking, a great deal of our resources were devoted to um, rescue, um, rehabilitation, restoration, all of those really important issues. And as we sort of grew up in this movement, we began to understand it's just like that story you hear me tell about the mental health institution that tests in India that tests um, their patients to see if they're ready to go home by putting a bucket under a faucet, turning it on, and then giving the patient a teaspoon and telling them to empty it. And that's insane if they don't turn it off. So how do you have your hand on the faucet? How do you turn that off? And one of the things that we've talked about is reducing demand. And yet, you know, the pornography industry um, is growing rapidly and sex trafficking continues to grow. So um, how do we reduce the risk for kids? And how do we do prevention? We went through a season where we saw lots of people doing prevention curriculum that was based on passing out little cards with red flags, not to talk to a stranger that says these things to you. And we began to realize that the real secret to prevention is a child with a lot of resiliency. And the focus at Ensure Justice, our 10th anniversary Ensure Justice, our theme is build a strong child. And when you do that, they will survive the storms out on the open sea. 
and they will be fine. And that is going to be our focus um, on addressing human trafficking. We've got great speakers lined up. The great, great, great grandson of the quote for Build a Strong Child, um, um, Frederick Douglass, his grandson, Kenneth Morris Jr., will be one of our keynote speakers. Oh, wow. Cool. One of the last 10 years, one of the leading prosecutors in Department of Justice, John Richmond, will be out here from Washington, D.C., and he will do an overview with us and and really help us understand where this movement is going. Um, I talked to him yesterday on the phone about content for Ensure Justice, and we were talking about this sense that a lot of busyness that looks like we're making progress, but we we're just filling out the reports and we do a training and we do an awareness event. And many times it's the same people in the room. We need to, we need to regroup and find some new strategies. And what does that look like? Judge Maria Hernandez from our presiding Orange County Juvenile Justice will be with us. We've got Salvation Army Partners, World Relief, um, Convoy of Hope, we're going to equip people to do things on the ground, in their own communities, within their schools, and globally to build a strong child and promote resiliency. Fabulous. It, uh, it sounds so exciting and really comprehensive, too. I'm, I'm, I, this is going to be the best one ever. And early bird registration is up on our website. Go to vanguard.edu forward slash GCWJ, and you can sign in and register now. And if you are a student at another university, um, we have a special rate for you. I I got an email from someone who said, is this a mistake? (laughs) No, it is not. If you are a university student, we want you here to study the issues with us, and you can come for $20. Oh, wow. I know, I know, but that's because we have a lot of generous sponsors that help us put this on. And so um, I really want to encourage students to come. We are also offering um, CEUs for nurses. Uh, We're working on getting CEUs for attorneys as well. The um, Orange County Bar Association, we're going to partner with them. So Insure Justice, it is the place to be. I didn't give you the dates. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be good. Be really helpful. Well, before you do that, I mean, each year, I mean, you very much. I think I don't know if you've done this intentionally, Sandy. You and the entire team have really approached the conference of um, very much a continuous improvement model. I mean, every year there is um, it's it's better and better and better, and um, and in very in a very growth oriented long-term way i mean it's a, there's always something that's better and and the audience has grown every year of this conference as it's been uh, hosted it's just been really exciting to see a large community come together to assemble and to learn and as you just pointed out as far as talking about attorneys and nurses i mean we've talked so much on the show about the there's so many partnerships that are so critical to this working because it's just it's not just one thing it's just just not just a matter of you know, rescuing survivors. Yes, that's a key part of, mm-hmm. of of course. But there's so much more that can be done by so many in so many different fields and professions and, and interest areas that will really make a big 
help in turning off the faucet, as you talked about. Well, and one of the the reasons you need to be there for the conference is because collaboration happens in the hallway, in the workshop, Mm -hmm. um, around the coffee pot, because we get people together that don't ordinarily get together. And that is, that's one of the key outcomes of Ensure Justice. Um, I, I had a wonderful opportunity to speak at Pacifica Christian High School last month. And they inspired me because they have this great conversation, thinking and living well, where they talk about big ideas and big issues. And that includes slavery, war, homelessness, and what can be done about it. And as I was speaking to these uh, budding scholars at this high school, I was impressed with their questions. And we started talking about justice because there is this sense that um, justice is is the answer. And for, for some reason... I think um, we've tried to legislate ourselves out of the human trafficking problem. We have another law to put people in prison longer, um, uh, find ways to find the traffickers and put them in prison. And unfortunately, you take one and put him in prison or her in prison, and there it feels like there's two more. And so the focus and the resources... How do we redirect to prevention to stop it from happening? And so I, I had a conversation with them about justice and the, the idea that we have um, retributive justice in our criminal justice system, the idea that um, you go to prison and we, we grade the offenses based on how serious society considers their offense. So um, we talked about, do, do you even get any kind of penalty for jaywalking? And it's like, no, nobody cares if you do jaywalking. But if you're caught burglarizing someone's home, um, you're going to get you're going to get some jail time. Um, but if you're caught robbing someone face to face using a weapon, that's going to go you're you're going to go away for a while. And of course, um, hate crimes the the idea of of stealing all those things that someone's going to pay and we say that's justice right but that is not what ensure justice is about and i think one of the things i want people to understand is we are going to leave all of that retributive criminal justice stuff to to the attorneys, we can have a workshop for them. We can have trainings for prosecutors, but for everyday people like you and me, how do we understand ensure justice? And you know from hanging out with me that the Proverbs thirty-one eight is the baseline. It's the principle that informs how we decide to act. And that verse says, be a voice for those who have no voice. And we all know advocacy is important. And then it says, and it's not a period there. It's a semicolon. And for all the grammar analysts out there, you know, that means that these two halves of the sentences have equal import. And so then it says, 
ensure justice for those being crushed. It wasn't an afterthought. It was equal to being a voice. And this isn't um, an idea of, well, you should do this, but it's not for me. This is like, this is a command. And so this is for all of us. And the ensure justice for those being crushed implies that we could do something to stop them from being crushed. And, you know, how, how we've talked about that in the past um, is, is worrying sometimes to me because we, we boil it down to little things that, and they're big things, fair trade. You buy fair trade chocolate, right, Dave? Mm-hmm, we do. Yeah. And, and we, we watch what we purchase so that we're not re-exploiting um, uh, because of labor trafficking, that we're not making choices that result in kids not going to school because they're slaves on a sugar plantation or a cotton plantation or a cocoa plantation. But what are we really doing to ensure justice for those being crushed? How, what, do, what images in your head when you think about um, stepping in before someone is uh, a victim and, and the ones that are being crushed, those are the more vulnerable people. Those are the marginalized. The vision's really different than it was before I met you, ah. Sandy. Mm-hmm. The vision prior to meeting you would been have been something like going to another country probably in Africa and volunteering to help for a week or two and, you know, serve in some capacity like you see on, you know, trips and on TV and commercials of people helping, you know, and um, there's a term for that now. I can't, um, there's even a tourism industry that's built around that now. Um, That's, there's some interesting, uh, some interesting ethical things to navigate around there. Um, But I think now I think much more of, doing something like this um, and all the different ways that we can work together to address this issue um, because of all the different handles on the pathati of, of how to contribute um, in so many different ways because there's, it's such a broad issue that the partnerships are so important. So I think a lot more about like, what's my piece? What am I uniquely gifted to do? AKA this podcast and, and is one piece of it mm-hmm. um, that not everyone can do. Um, and so it's that that's my vision now is like, how can I contribute in a sustainable way? That's something I can do much more than where do I need to go or, or um, what do I see in the popular media that, you know, I feel like I should do. I, I, I have in my mind this picture of, of a bird's nest and there's these little eggs that um, are about to fall out of the nest and I'm going to catch them before they're smashed. And the, the vulnerability, especially of, of the poor, those without resources of children who don't have control over their circumstances, you know, a kid with a, I, I was listening to Judge Maria Hernandez. She was speaking in my class, and, and she said, uh, why are you putting this six-year-old on detention for missing school? Um, he's not the one who didn't get him to school and find out why he's missing school. So then that means we have to look at why he's vulnerable, because if you miss school, you're not going to pass into the next grade, 
and all kinds of consequences that make you more vulnerable. Right. So to ensure justice, that may mean that you're going to go find out what's happening that his parents aren't getting him to school. Well, then you ask the next question and you find out that um, it's a single mom and she's working a night shift and she gets home and she fell asleep on the couch. Mm. And that's why he didn't get to school. But now he's a problem kid in the system. So how do we, how do we begin to look for, how do I intervene to help that mom? And we talk about empowering single moms all the time on this as one of the prevention strategies. But it is not glitzy. It's not exciting to fight human trafficking by helping a single mom who may be one car repair away from not having enough money for for rent. Um, It's not glitzy to say, I fight human trafficking by doing free car repairs for single moms one Saturday a month. Yeah. But it but might it's be. so helpful, and it's it's not gl- it's not glamorous. It's not like going on the trip and volunteering and you know somewhere. It's it's but it's really a need. It's so important. So how do we begin to make um, ensuring justice, the principle and the practice, a highly valued aspect of fighting human trafficking? And I believe it's in. Um, making the story about resilience important. Um, it, I, I'm going to give away some of the the exciting things we have planned for Insured Justice. But uh, I was I was at the marina for my birthday. My husband took me on a little um, sunset sail thing, and the the captain had his keys to the boat on one of those keychains that has a um, a floating bob on it Mm -hmm. so if he drops it when he's getting on the boat he just reaches down and and grabs it and i thought i want everybody who comes to ensure justice to have that image of what resilience is it floats and so doesn't matter if there's a storm on the pacific ocean um this isn't going to sink and drown this is a keychain that is going to float at the top that image of of resilience of buoyancy prevention is exciting it floats to the top and how do we see each child uh, as having a potential to have that kind of resilience i love it and it's it's inspirational but what we're going to do at ensure justice is we're going to give people tools to be the person that that swoops in and ensures justice for someone who might be vulnerable and ready to be crushed. Hmm. Powerful, Sandy. I'm, I'm really excited to see what, uh, what comes together with it. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's so much in alignment with what we've been talking about on the podcast for a, such a long time with partnerships and with looking broader and, uh, and looking at what you can uniquely bring to the conversation based on your own, um, not only your own interests, but also your own talents and, uh, and how they, those can come together in a really, in a really profound way. Okay, so um, so when we also are looking at um, what we're doing to end human trafficking around the world, a lot of times the focus is on sex trafficking. And when you look at the statistics, the Global Slavery Index estimates 46 million 
trafficking victims. And only about 2.6 million are sex trafficking victims. And I don't use the word only lightly, but I want us to understand how serious labor trafficking is. And these are also people being crushed. And so how do we begin to build resiliency for those victims? And that means we have to address poverty issues, um, corruption, um, immigration issues. The idea that labor trafficking happens in the United States is is like brand new news for some folks. I, I talked to um, a social justice leader recently uh, because the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force report came out uh, in um, September, and we'll put a link to that. It's very well done. And for those of you students writing reports on human trafficking, um, I can guarantee you that the statistics produced by Orange County Task Force are well-documented statistics. They are not aggregates of somebody's extrapolations. But in that report, um, it it showed that there was 20 point some, or 28% labor trafficking. I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head. But so this person said, so really that means that sex trafficking is our biggest problem in Orange County. And I said, that's what you would think if you just looked at the statistics. But if you look a little deeper, you're going to find out that all of our funding for combating human trafficking is predominantly focused on sex trafficking. And so the the amount of labor trafficking that we found are cases that literally fell into our laps. Uh. So what if we actually directed resources towards identifying labor trafficking victims? Labor trafficking is a word that we um, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about, but in in the context of this conversation, it's slavery. Someone is working and not being compensated. Someone is under um, someone else's control, and they may get a little bit of of money, but they're not um, they're not paid what they're supposed to be paid. So they are at the very least labor exploitation victims, but more likely they are, they qualify under the federal and state laws for labor trafficking. If we're going to apply the same principle and practice that we want to talk about with insured justice to labor trafficking, we have to start thinking about the dignity of a labor trafficking victim having equal value with a sex trafficking victim. We have to ask ourselves questions about our own use of, of services in our very um, comfortable environment. I'm talking from Orange County, but I've been in lots of other states here in the U.S., and we're pretty spoiled. We, we, we can get a really good deal on um, things being done for us. Our lawns mowed, our houses cleaned, um, food cooked. Lots of lots of people eat out quite regularly and don't pay um, huge amounts of money to do that. And there's case after case in labor trafficking annals that show 
that um, many times in restaurants and hotels and car washes, in domestic servitude, especially here in Orange County, that those are human trafficking victims. And so the, the idea of a commercial um, aspect for that is someone's not paying for the labor, so they're saving money. It's not necessarily um, the same kind of aspect where we look at someone making money because if someone's a domestic slave, like our friend Shima, who's been on the show before, um, they didn't make money by having her as a child slave cleaning their house, but they didn't pay to have anyone do it. So when we want to change our, our, um, our principle and our practice in fighting labor trafficking, we have to, we have to begin to have empathy for those victims. I'm so glad you mentioned the statistics too, because it is really tempting to look at those numbers and say, oh, 28%, that's not as big of an issue. And to not ask the bigger question behind that of like, oh, why is it less than that? And it's um, trying to think of a better analogy than this, but it's it's the classic, uh, you know, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, <laughs> if you only are looking for one thing or budget or funding one type of effort, of course, that's what you're going to mostly find. Um, you're not going to see the other things that are out there. And uh, so I, I really, um, I'm, I'm glad we're looking at that from a standpoint of the conference, but I also think it's a really important reminder for all of us is just thinking about this whole issue of how much we still don't know because the data even the data that we know is reliable, it, it doesn't always tell the full story. It doesn't. It doesn't. And and your use of the word funding is really critical to this as well. Um, Department of Justice has been very aware of this discrepancy. And so as I've studied the recent um, grant RFPs that are out there, um, having a, a component on labor trafficking is now a required part for task force funding. And so I think we are going to start seeing um, more labor trafficking cases because funding is a critical piece of of what gets our attention. That's just natural. Well, speaking of things that get attention, Sandy, deadlines are one of them, right? And so um, what is the deadline uh, for the early bird registration for those who do want to take advantage of it? And, you know, it's so hard to come out to Southern California in In March. March. I know it's hard. It's it's 70 degrees. It's warm. It's sunny. (sighs) If that's not enough, though, what's the deadline? (laughs) Okay. Okay. We're going to make it the deadline January 31st. So we'll give the early bird registration through the month of January, which is um, uh, National Human Trafficking and Slavery Prevention Month. And then the rates will will go up in February. And uh, we hope that you will uh, give consideration to attending the conference. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you are part of our community and you care about this as deeply as we do. And uh, we want to have you there. Your voice is part of this conversation. So, um, you know, Sandy, one of the things I've always loved about the conference, we talked about the student rate, but uh, even the, the normal rate is very inexpensive compared yeah, to what most it's conferences are. Yeah, it's $99. Two just, days. It, it, you, you don't get that anywhere. Um, and it, this is really very much um, 
uh, an event that we want everyone to be a part of. And so I would really encourage you, uh, if you've listened to us talk about the conference before and you haven't taken advantage of it, um, we hope that you will. And uh, and again, the place to go, Sandy, uh, vanguard.edu slash GCWJ, right? Absolutely. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, uh, Sandy, I'm really uh, grateful for you giving us a heads up on what the conference is going to involve this year. And I I hope you will take us up on going to visit the site. And while you're there online, if there's something more you'd like to know from us, maybe you have a question about the conference or maybe you have something, a question about something we mentioned in today's conversation. Our email address is gcwj at vanguard.edu. That stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice, which is uh, what uh, Sandy directs here on campus and also is uh, our, our, our organization for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, of course, phone is a great way to reach us to 714-966-6360. While you're on the website, if you haven't done this before, sign up for the newsletter. You'll find a box on the website to do that. That'll keep you up to date on what's going on with Sandy, the center, the conference, and so many other things. And check out our other resources. We launched an anti-human trafficking certificate that is all right. online, Dave. Yeah, check it out. It's all there on the site. Thanks, right. Andy. Thank Take care. Thank you.